Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. On a hot, steamy Sunday afternoon, we welcome you to the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Invite you to join us, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Tom Bauer, Harvey Cruz along the way with us. We'll chat with you for most of the afternoon. And we're opening the phones to whatever you want to talk about. You want to talk a little NFL, you want to talk a little Major League Baseball, you want to talk a little NBA, whatever you want to talk about, we're here for you. At 1 o'clock, Dennis Wazak of the Associated Press, he covers the Jets for us. And, of course, he will uh, join us, and we'll get his thoughts on the green and white scrimmage and what's been going on with the J-E-T-S, Jets. But first, while, you line, while we line up the calls, you get ready. I owe some folks some apologies. And like a good person, you get your apologies done as soon as you realize you have one, you've made a mistake. Now I realize that I'm only basing this apology on three days, but the one thing you've known about me over my years that I've been blessed to be a broadcaster in this area, in this city, which is approaching a couple of decades now is that I pride myself on being fair. If I criticize you for doing something that I feel is not right, I will praise you for doing something when you're, what I feel is good. I feel you've done the right thing. I pride that. That's what being consistent is all about. You know, back when I started out in this business, that's what my mentors told me you had to do. It was about fairness that, People may not agree with you about your opinions or whatnot, or athletes may not agree or athletes may not like you, but they will respect the fact that you are fair with them. Okay? They will respect the fact you are fair with them. So my apologies go out right now to Billy Epler and to Steve Cohen. Now, it is an early sample size. And while I was still disappointed at the folks who the Mets obtained because I was looking at the big word, the big, I was looking at the big picture, um, you know, I was concerned. Um, they weren't the folks that I thought I could, they weren't the folks I thought I was getting. I mean, this is point blank. I was, the Mets were listed as getting heavy hitters. You, you saw the names. You saw them. Josh Bell, Trey Mancini, J.D. Martinez. And none of the people that the, that the Mets got were those. But I will say this. So far in the three games that they have, well, the four games they have faced Atlanta over the past three days, these players have made major contributions. They have fit in seamlessly. 
they have performed admirably. And I got to say, as of right now, I was wrong. I was, I didn't think these acquisitions would be the kind that would line up and really add to the Mets. Now, I may be proven wrong later, (laughs) but for me, and we'll worry about October when October gets here, right? But for me right now, with what these folks have done, these players have added in the four games against Atlanta where the Mets have won three and have a a really good chance, a really good chance to take four or five with Jacob DeGrom on the hill tonight. I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. You can't, you can't, play any better than the Mets have played against Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is still a good team. Do I look at Atlanta a little differently now after these four games? Yeah, I do. How could I not? I mean, the Mets pitching staff has dominated them. They've dominated. This is an Atlanta team that leads the majors in home runs. Leads the majors in home runs. And you're not seeing that here. The Met pitching staff has been outstanding with the one exception of Taiwan Walker and the tough first inning he had on Friday night. The pitching is the difference. There's no question. The pitching has been the difference. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at a Met lineup that's getting timely hits. I'm looking at a Met lineup that's hitting the ball out of the ballpark and it's not just Pete Alonso. I'm looking at really good defense for the most part. I'm looking at a Met team who looks better than Atlanta right now. And, of course, I felt the Mets were better than Atlanta. But the, the, the proof is in the pudding. It's how you perform when you face the next best team. And Atlanta is still the next best team in the division. And I still realize that even though the Mets have a five-and-a-half, hopefully six-and-a-half game lead by tomorrow, I acknowledge the fact that Atlanta's not going away. I acknowledge the fact that Atlanta will be here. I acknowledge the fact that Atlanta is going to make a run. But I do have a bit more comfort. I do have a bit more confidence in my Met pitching staff. Am I still just a wee bit concerned about the bullpen? Yes, I am. Just a wee bit concerned about the bullpen. But once again, I'll worry about that in October. Okay, there may be other pitchers that the Mets will bring up from the minor leagues that will fill in the spots. Okay? So my initial response is right now, I'm ecstatic. And the Mets have been just just dominant. Dominant. Part of that, I believe, of course, is the talent, right? But it also stems from the clubhouse and what Max Scherzer has brought to this team, what Buck Showalter has brought to this team, what Pete Alonzo brought to this team when he first came up by with trouble in his first and second year being the spokesperson for this team, even with other veterans in the, in the clubhouse. You just like, you just have a good feeling about what this Met team is able to do. You love how they play. You love how they play for each other. And yeah, Eduardo Escobar is not happy about not playing. But guess what? When the team wins, what's he gonna say? You are ready to you are ready to play when the manager pencils your name in. 
and you need to perform. And in the pitch inning role, you did a pretty good job. So these are the things that make a team continue to roll. Are the Mets possibly going to have a losing streak where they don't play well for a couple of games or maybe a week or so? It's entirely possible. It is baseball. And you don't continue to play extremely well all the time. You have pitfalls. You have bumps and bruises. You have these things in the road. But it's how you handle them, how you manage them, and how you shorten them. Okay? You can't afford to go on a 8, 9, 10-game losing streak and still think you are a really good team. Really good teams don't go on long losing streaks. That's the difference between a really good team and an average team and a bad team. <laughs> because if you go on a 10, 11, look at the Los Angeles Angels. They went on a, what, 14-game losing streak, never recovered. They started out really good this season. 14-game losing streak, done. Season's over. Can't survive it. So that's the difference between your good teams and your bad teams. And right now, the Mets are a really good team. And you got to look at them in the National League is okay, one of the top two, three teams. You do. You have to. With a shot to go to the World Series. Dodgers, of course, because of their depth, you got to give them first. That better record, you got to give, give the Dodgers credit. They're number one. Uh, I'm waiting to see a little more sample size, but San Diego, you got to give them honorable mention. I don't know. I'm not saying they're number two or three yet, but when that lineup starts getting used to each other and they start performing, they're going to be they're going to be right there. Of course, the Mets, Atlanta is still a, is still a very good team. But after these four games thus far, with the Mets taking three, the acquisitions brought in by the Mets front office, there's nothing you can say. They've been outstanding. I mean, his consistency is, is unbelievable. I mean, every time he's got the ball in his hand, he's the, he's the same guy. And uh, he, he does a lot of, a lot of research and, on his opponent. And uh, the way he executes, whether he has his A, B, or C stuff, is, is incredible. So, I mean, he's, uh, I mean he's, he's one of our leaders. And uh, how he goes about his business is tremendous. So every time he's got the ball, uh, we're, we're feeling pretty confident. And rightfully so. Pete Alonzo on the Mets. Number two ace, Max Scherzer. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We'll hear more from Peter Alonzo, but first, let's go talk to you on the phones. Ray's on the West Side Highway. Ray, where you at on the West Side Highway? Hey, Larry Love. Well, now I'm on the Cross Bronx, man. I'm up picking wow. up my niece because uh, we're on our way to the game, baby. Nice. I'm excited. I got my welcome sign uh, ready for DeGrom, so welcome back and... <laughs> Just uh, awesome, awesome. Yesterday, I was watching the game at home. I, I can't believe how, ex- how excited, how well things are going. Might be a little nervous um, about bridging the starting rotation over the Diaz, like you mentioned mm. earlier, but I'm not worrying about that right now. Right now, we punching Atlanta in the mouth, and it's time to bring it home. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Ray, you enjoyed, the g- you enjoyed the game tonight, my friend. You enjoy it, and, and he's right. You know, look, we understand that there's some there's there's no such thing as a perfect ball club, right? No such thing. Every team has something they need to work on. Every team has shortcomings. Every team has issues. 
But right now, the way the Mets are playing, and yeah, you do get concerned. How do you get to Diaz? Diaz has been fabulous. And yesterday, in the opening game of the doubleheader, that shows you the little concern and why you have a concern. It was A2 before you could say, you know what, maybe maybe Diaz can get a full day off. You know, because we didn't we figured he might not be needed in the nightcap with Scherzer, because Scherzer's going. It might be light lifting. And then before you could say, Ah, uh, we're in good shape, it's A5. And you gotta get you gotta go get Diaz. How great has he been this season, huh? How great. What a turnaround. You talk about somebody, a player, who's been able to just reinvent himself. It's Edwin Diaz. Who was booed more in this town, other than Giancarlo Stanton? Who was booed more in this town than Edwin Diaz? And guess what? Rightfully so. This was a guy that had was outstanding in that year in Seattle. Came over here, couldn't find, couldn't do anything. He's actually, this season, he's actually been better than the great season he had in Seattle. What a difference it's been for him. Feel good, for, feel happy for him. Because he, listen, he deserved the criticism. He came in, he did not produce. And I understand that fans get a bad rap, and, and for the most part, and there's always exceptions. There's always a fan or two who's going to be over the top and talk about people's families and do stuff like that, wives and moms and kids and stuff like that, which is totally unnecessary and not what you should do. But uh, come on, you can do better, a boo or something like that. It's understandable. If you produce, you don't hear it. Even if you don't, even if you produce, but you have a couple of days where you don't produce well. You don't hear it. It's when you constantly don't produce. I mean, fans want to cheer. They really do. Do you think fans come to the ballpark? And once again, there's always exceptions. Do you think fans want to come to the ballpark? You know what? Yeah, let me see. Who am I booing today? <laughs> no. They want to cheer. Spike's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Well, good afternoon. Let's do a little cleaning up on the statistics. You, you, you short-sold the Mets. The Mets batting, pitching, and fielding in Major League Baseball, I'm just looking at it, fourth, fifth, and seventh, case closed. The Mets are also – Land is second in the in baseball in home runs, uh, first in the National League. But listen to this stat. The Dodgers have had – I can't – I missed one or I didn't miss one, but they've had – this is amazing – this year so far, five or six, seven-game winning streaks. Yeah. <laughs> Can't make that up, Larry. That's a good team. I, I mean, five or six, seven-game winning streaks, and they play, what, 110 games? Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, look, I think the Mets are right there. I told you all along, and, and, and I mentioned on the pickup, this is amazing to me. You know, I'm happy for you and my buddy. I said, I sat down, I watched Max Scherzer. I want, I'll, I'll finish the call and I'll listen to your answer because I'm really waiting to hear your answer. Someone who's watched thousands of baseball games. Have you ever seen two 38 and th or one each 38 and 39 year old pitchers, Scherzer and Verlander? If you look at their stats, they're very, very similar. They're both brilliant, their first ballot Hall of Famers unequivocally no one will argue but what they're 38 and 39 yeah. have you ever seen it no not to this extent not to this I, extent I, and not um spike to the 
understanding how, you know, the, the type of athlete that they're facing now. I mean, you, you right. could go back, you could go back and you talk about the greats. You talk about Seaver and Gibson and Marischal and, and company. Okay. Colfax, and, yeah. Yeah, Colfax and Drysdale. And the list goes on and on and on. Uh, but they didn't face the, the style of athlete consistently, right? The, the great right. athlete consistently batter after batter after batter after batter. And what they're able to do with their – and it's both of them still throwing, still throwing hard, still throwing in the 90s. I mean, they're, they're like Nolan Ryan recreated. <laughs> Scherzer just – I'm watching the game. First of all, he's a dog. He Second of all, he's a great teammate. He looks it. And third of all, I didn't look at the box score. You don't have to, but my eyeball. He threw 80% strikes last yes. night. Always does. I mean, he's just great. Now, if DeGrom gives you, I said four out of five to you two days ago, and, and I said maybe, and listen, the kid, the, the Walker had a bad game. Hey, he's earned a bad game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had a bad game, and they almost pulled that one out. That's right. They got the tying run up. So this is what we want. And I can't wait to watch the Grom. And I'm more so interested, and thanks for the time, I'm more so interested in seeing how the Grom feels tomorrow. I think that's the general consensus. Have a no great question. program. Thank you, Spike. No question about it. We're, the, the, that's the way it is. I told you. It's, it's whenever you have the ESPN alerts on your, on your phone, or your smart device, and you hear the ba-da-da, ba-da-da, you always check and see what's going on. Oh, listen, what's happening? Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. After the ground pitches, you, you dread hearing the ba da ba da because you're just not sure. You, you, you're just wondering: is is there been has there been a setback? Is everything okay? You know, and it's going to be that way, I think, for the rest of the season. But it will lessen the more he pitches, right? Because you figure the more he goes, the longer he goes, his arm will be adjusted, it'll work, the shoulder will understand what everything is doing, and if he can get past the early soreness, which I'm sure there there will be, every pitcher has soreness after they pitch, um, I'm sure that it'll get better and you'll feel a little better about things. But in the early going, you're right. I'm just like I'm. I'm. I'm looking with one eye open <laughs> when I hear the signal after the Grom pitches. And yes, I am looking forward to Jacob Degrom tonight. There's only one concern I have, and I'm. And I think it won't happen tonight because I like the way the Mets have been hitting in this series. I, I think they might score more than a run for the Grom. <laughs> I think it's possible they might get more than a run. Because normally that's all he gets. <laughs> but the way they've pitched in this series, I, I, I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling a little better about the men offense and Jacob DeGrom. The Larry Harsty Show on 9870 ESPN. Talking a little Mets baseball with you at 1-800-919-3776. Let's get back to the phones. Uh, Danny's in Long Island. What's up, Danny? Oh, did the coffee taste good this morning? It was bold. <laughs> it was crisp. It was refreshing. Nothing like waking up. Only only better is waking up on a Monday morning after your football team has won. But anyway, a uh, couple observations about the Mets. Mm-hmm. When you put the ball in play, 
and you don't strike out, good things happen. Whether it's Alonzo hitting a blooper down the right field line, it's a ground ball that could have been a double play that gets turned into an error and two-run score. A couple infield hits at the right moment. It's just about fundamentals. Pete Alonzo is so much more than a home run hitter. He has really developed into such a good hitter, going the opposite way with singles and, and rip shots up the alley. Got a broken bat single. Why? Because he swung well, didn't have too much of a launch angle, broke the bat in half, and the ball plunked into right field. Then he hits a blooper. Then you got this new, our new cult hero, Daniel Vogelback, who makes every 40-year-old man with a belly think he can still play Major League Baseball. Keith has commented three or four times, he has a completely flat swing. Zero launch angle. And all he does is hit line drives. Now, do I think that the opposition might get the film on him and figure out how to pitch him? Possibly. But he's a professional ball player with a great swing who constantly gets up now with men on base in front of him, and he's contributing. He's doing more than contributing, and he walks because he doesn't swing at bad pitches. So not only does he have a nice level swing, but he makes the pitcher throw strikes, and then he makes contact. If you throw a ball, he'll take the walk. So the Mets are doing everything right now. Uh, the biggest thing about DeGrom now is that the weakness of the Mets is the bullpen. If DeGrom can come back and forget being DeGrom, if he's DeGrom, the Mets are clearly the favorite to win the uh, National League. But if he's, if he's three-quarters of DeGrom, well, that means Carrasco or somebody else goes to the bullpen and we eliminate some of these guys down there that can't do the job. So DeGrom becoming a quality starting pitcher eliminates one of our weaknesses, which is bullpen. So you have these guys out there that have shown they can do the job that with these major league pitchers that throw six innings, well, now you have a starting pitcher coming in who can bring it to the ninth. You don't need to go mix match, mix all this nonsense. The guy they brought in last night, yesterday during the day game in the ninth inning, he will never see the mound because there'll be no need for him because we have McGill coming back. These are all quality pitchers, so the Mets have it in excess, which leads me to my last point. What are the Yankees thinking yesterday when they traded a starting quality mm. pitcher in the middle of a pennant race, and four days later, that pitcher is on the mound, blanking them over six innings? I mean, what were they thinking when they did that? Absolutely shaking my head over that. Your comments, please. Danny, thanks for the phone call. Uh, clearly, and we've touched on this a lot, you just wonder why he had fallen out of favor with them. Uh, it was very interesting Thursday on the Michael K show, the Don and Peter not only spoke with Aaron Boone in the weekly spot on the K show on Thursdays, but they also had uh, Brian Cashman on. And the interesting thing for me was in the two interviews, we found out that Aaron Boone had no knowledge that they were going to even think about moving Jordan Montgomery. And not only did Brian Cashman put him out there, but waited 24 to 48 hours before making the final decision. Now, the only thing I could say, Danny, is that they were expecting something else. There was another move that was supposed to be made, an adjacent move that would have brought them another starter, perhaps. Uh, and that move fell through, and they already had said they were going through the move with Montgomery. That's the only thing that would make sense in this scenario. Because as as concerning as the Yankees starting pitching and starting rotation is because of injury. And now that Clay Holmes is having some issues closing and has not pitched well the past couple of outings, uh, the Yankees have some concerns. And 
Domingo Herman was great yesterday. He gave up one run. So while we're jumping on the one side, while we're jumping on the Yankees and how could they do this and how did they make that move with Jordan Montgomery, hello, can you score some runs? I mean, I realize Stanton's out of the lineup. I know Rizzo's out of the lineup, So the line, and it's not a long lineup. It's, it's a lineup that's not circular. So I get that. There's some issues at the bottom of the order. But unlike the Mets, Benintendi has not performed. He's, he's, not, he's not gotten it done. And so until you get some, some action from him, uh, Aaron Hicks has been in the slump for the past three weeks. They're just not getting offense. And so, yeah, as much as you want to jump them about trading Montgomery for, for a player who is not available to them until maybe next month, the fact is you got to hit. You, you got to score some runs. This is a Yankee team that's good enough to get to, even with the compromised lineup, this is a Yankee team that should be able to get at least give you two runs. Two runs would have been fine. Okay, even if you don't get to Montgomery, you can't get to the Cardinals' bullpen? Rob's in Merrick. What's up, Rob? Larry, how you doing, buddy? Great, man. What's happening? So, I, it's been so, it feels like it's been so long to feel this anticipation for a Met game, especially with DeGrom about to lay down the hammer on this team. I think we've exposed their defense. Everything that previous caller Danny said was spot on. He, he must have read my mind. But uh, we're geared up for a, a big series with, with the Dodgers in the playoffs, I think. We, we match up well. I, I, I love our one through four in the lineup. McNeil is back to slapping the ball all over the place, which is what he does well. And uh, the only thing I would say is since we have a polar bear on the team, Larry, does that make Vogelbach a grizzly bear or a teddy bear? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Thanks for the phone call. I, I, I'm not sure. I, the only thing I think it makes him is just keep being productive. That's what it makes him. That's an interesting true. That's an interesting duo right there, right? That's an interesting, interesting duo, and they perform. I don't. But I think, uh, my friend, you got to go back to Matt Harvey Day, right? You got to go back to the dark night. You got to go back to those days with the anticipation that you have tonight with DeGrom and the ability for them to finish what they started, right? The ability to, to take four out of five away from an Atlanta ball club that, once again, is still a very good ball club. And I still believe they're going to be around. They're not going away. But you've sent a message to them, and that's the most important thing. You've sent a message that you can handle them one-on-one, and they've not been able to figure out the Mets starting pitching, with the exception of Walker. Uh, in this this uh, this set, this series, they've not been able to figure it out. And the idea that you have, as Danny mentioned, DeGrom coming back, which means you can move some of your starters to the bullpen to give you some added depth, that makes this Mets team a tough team to beat. And and the ability for them to continue to make contact is, is such a great point. It's a great point. They are they are putting the bat on the baseball and they're spraying it all over the yard. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Mark's in Newark. What's up, Mark? Friend Larry, how are you, bro? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I know you're doing great. Hey, look here, bro. I know you're as ecstatic as I am, so I'm just trying to temper mine a little bit and not being very successful at it. Uh, well, um, listen, you're, you're entitled for a day. 
You're you're entitled to maybe stretch out a little bit. Double header win over your second place club. You're entitled to stretch out a little bit, Mark. You you can stretch out a little bit. You can just stretch out a little bit. I'm not on the window in the pandemic anymore. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, you jumping up and down in the house. <laughs> I'm in the house. <laughs> Brother Larry, I'm on a, on a, uh, on a more tempered basis. I just got to you know on a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want Wilson Contreras because when I look at when I look at my beloved Mets, I was looking at a hole in the lineup, and it, it, Wilson would have just. I mean, and I still believe would have help solidify that hole at catcher but that didn't happen move on um i've told you all year about our pitching staff i mean these guys they strive for 10k a game most of the time they're either there or very very close and i think that mentality uh people just are overlooking carrasco and bassett and walker who had a bad game i don't remember seeing him have a bad game all year actually He's been playing like, in fact, he was a considered for the all-star game. Our pitching staff without DeGrom and without Serger, I, I think we were still in first place all year because we mm-hmm. haven't given it up yet. And there's a lot to be said for that. Moving them in the bullpen, this, that, and the other, that, that's a conversation for somebody a lot more baseball smart than me. But I'm more like an eye test guy. And all four of those pitchers are, are amazing. And, and I believe that's the – foundation as to where we are other than other than uh like you mentioned a minute ago the hitting the bat to ball larry i'm gonna take you back to the game yesterday i want you to mm-hmm. uh, uh take a walk with me uh one of your callers a couple of calls ago was talking about how the mets play fundamental baseball that rang really loudly with me and this is what happened the mets are up five to one the Braves had just got this run. Uh, I don't remember if it was a home run. Probably not. But, they, yeah, it was a home run, uh, right field. Um, and then it was 5-1, to one and they had a couple men on, and, and then our pitcher got out of it. Okay, the Mets come up, up to bat. The first bat is is uh, Escobar. Now, Esky hits this double, which may or may not have been a double, right? <laughs> but he's busting it out. I mean, he had his mind made up. When he turned the corner, the camera panned in on his eyes, Larry, and he was like, I'm getting this base. And even with that, I was like, oh, no, Esky, oh, no. <laughs> but then the camera zoomed in on his slide. Esky had his right arm as far back as he could get it to his body and his left arm fully extended away from his body into the base as to be as far away from the, the double, the out at second as possible. And that was fundamental baseball. That was busting it, hustle, and the little things that your average fan didn't see. Esky jumped up clapping like he was crazy, and he ended up scoring that same run that they just got that home run from before. It's stuff like that the Mets been doing all year. And then how about this? Have you ever seen so many rocket throws coming from third, mm-hmm. whether it's Esky or Guillermo going mm-hmm. the first across the diamond mm-hmm. since the in, since this year with the Mets? I, I don't recall seeing anybody throwing it across the diamond like these two have. When you're the ones that I'm like, here we go. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> you're right, Mark. Where, where you're I'm, right. And, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. Here's the other thing, and, and you make some great points is for Escobar, and I mentioned earlier, he's a guy that Guillaume is the hot guy. 
And so with McNeil hitting, you you're trying to you know you're trying to figure out where where some of these guys are going to hit. And Escobar was benched for a couple of games, and so when he gets his opportunity, okay, he knows he's got to perform. He's got to perform, and to see him come up in big spots and do what you talked about and get a couple of hits. That's what makes your team great, right? Where everybody knows that if we contribute to the greater team, we're all going to win, and I want to play more. So it, it helps It helps me, helps me to say to the manager, I want to play. I'm still ready to go despite whether you have me in the lineup or not. And it says when I get out there, it's all about us winning as a team. Talk a little Mets baseball. Here on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Set back to the phones and chat with John in Queens. Hey, John. Hey, Larry. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm not a baseball fan, so I guess what I'm going to say, take it with a grain of salt. But I just don't understand how you could watch this league uh, when you have fans calling in, praising their team for trying hard or running out – running out a hit to get to second base. If you don't try hard in the NFL, you get killed. I, I just don't understand fans rooting for players that take time off, and that's why you have these major swings like the Yankees. Now they're not playing well, and they played so well before. Why? You know, I, I could have told you when everybody was calling in, praising the Yankees as being the best team since whatever team they had back in the 90s or whatever. Uh, no, they're going to go down, and the Mets are going to go down from here, and the Yankees will come back up, and it's a season of swings. And I think it's mostly because of the players' attitudes. They get lazy, and they're not running things out. Well, John, I'll tell you this. Man, thanks for the phone call. It, it, it is it's two different sports and two different mindsets, right? Baseball is a 162-game and 180-day sport. And yes, there are peaks and valleys because it is such a long season and it is because of injury. And I just think that you're right in the sense that you should not be supportive, that that's what you should expect from your, your players on your team, right? That they hustle and they go all out. But we also understand, John, that people are human beings. And there are times when, for example, if you're, you haven't been playing for a while, you might just feel like, you know what, I'm... I'm, you know what? I don't know if I'm. I'm trying my best, but I'm not just. I'm. I'm doing the best I can, and I'm not just. You know, I'm. I'm not busting it as hard as I might have previously, but. But I'm trying. I'm trying to get out there, and there are always players who have. Everybody doesn't have the same passion for what they do. There's people on your job that don't have the same passion. Everybody doesn't have the same passion, okay? And there are times when you know a guy may be frustrated. Oh, it's a. I swung late. Oh, I missed that pitch, and he doesn't run hard out of the batter's box. There's there's times like that. But I think as a fan, you root for the team. And if the team wins, despite what that player does, you still root for your team. You're still happy about the team. You, you're unhappy with the player, but you're happy for the team. And so I think I'll speak for me. I'm able to root individually root for the team and root for the laundry. But I have no problem criticizing a player if they're not playing well. And fans do. They That's why fans boo, because they don't give effort. So I just think what the caller was saying in that instance that you're reacting to was, okay, not only 
did he really hit the ball well. He didn't take it for granted. He was determined from the moment he hit the ball. All right, this is, this is my mindset. This is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm going. So I think that's what it is. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, yeah, you, you kind of had the feeling that maybe some things were going to be uh, a problem. You're, you might have had a feeling that, you know, they, it was going to be hard for them to keep up to play. I mean, they were playing like 700% of this baseball. And you just can't continue to do that. It's, it's not possible. You know, you, you'll face some teams, and it depends on when you face them and your injuries. And right now, this team's got some problems. They've got injuries in the offense. They've got injuries in their starting rotation. And they've got some problems in the bullpen. So when you have all those things, guess what? You're going to lose some games. <laughs> That's the way it goes. It happens that way. It does. <laughs> Moses Staten Island, what's up, Mo? Hey, what's up, Larry? Um, I was calling in to say that uh, the low-key signing, not, well, not signing, pick up this offseason was Buck Walter because it's kind of a lot of the same players from the last two seasons. Then I started thinking about it while I was on hold. They've made some pretty key additions like Scherzer and Marte and it's kind of off that. But it is exciting to see the Mets and Yankees like being good at the same time. Earlier on, it felt like they were on a collision course to the World Series together, but not. I mean, we'll see if the Yankees turn around. I think they will. You know, Mets fan. Um, but yeah, I feel like Buck Showalter is like. I, I think that's the key. I think any other manager or most other managers, we're not going to have the success we're having right now. Well, I'll say this, Mo, and thanks for the phone call. The acquisition of Buck Showalter was not underrated. It was a, it's a major factor. And that's why everybody from Michael Kay to every Met fan you can think of who may not want a former Yankee, <laughs> but really respected, same way we respected what, you know, a Willie Randolph brought to the table from winning and knowing what it took to be a winner from the Yankee organization. It's the same thing we have the respect we have for Buck Showalter, who's seen everything, is a manager, and I've said it a thousand times, I'll just repeat it. He is a manager whom you respect because he is going to embrace the analytics but not let the analytics dominate his decision-making. Okay? He's still going to go by his eyes. He's still going to go by his gut, but he will use the analytics that is provided to him by the folks in the front office, and he will use it to guide, help guide him in the decision, but it's not going to be the overall decision because he's seen too much. It's, it's like Mark said, when he, Mark from Newark called in a couple of minutes ago. He's, my eyes tell me what I need to know. My eyes tell me. Maybe the numbers say, well, you know what, maybe you shouldn't have him in the third time around, but my eyes tell me, you know, he's pitching pretty good. <laughs> and I'll have somebody ready. So at the third time, okay, that happens most of the time. I get it. 72% of the time, the third time in the order, they hit 500. Okay, guess what? Maybe not today, but I'll have somebody ready. So at the first sign of trouble, I'll bring somebody in. And so that's it. Plus, I just think that for a team that has been as fragile as the Mets over the years with different managers and not a not continuity in the managerial office, all right? You need to have somebody that you've got faith is going to be there, somebody that you have faith that knows the game, somebody that you have faith in the style of play. And that's what Buckshaw Walter brings to the table. 
along with the veteran acquisitions that you got, as you mentioned, Marte and Scherzer and Kana and, and, and some of the other folks that you've added on this team and some of the guys that you've added at the trade deadline. So that's what makes it, that's what makes it, that's what makes you have a good feeling about this team because you have a competent man at the helm. It's a good feeling, Mets fans, it is. Mitch is in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? How's it going, Larry? How's everything? Everything's good, man. What's up? Pretty good. I think uh, this year is looking like we might have two MVPs, both playing in New York. You know, I'm an L.A. guy, and uh, definitely Aaron Judge and uh, Peter Alonzo. Yeah, I hear I think that will make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Possibility. I think Joey – okay, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, I'm going to say Joey Gallo, uh, if he can uh, rejuvenate his career, if they can fix him, I think that was some trade for the Dodgers. I mean, they'll also stick around with Cody and even Muncie because uh, they're all home run hitters, and they can, if they catch fire, look out. And um, when you think of any the great Vince Scully, an unbelievable career he had, he was calling, he called from Jackie Robinson to Clayton Kershaw. It's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to fathom. It's amazing, Mitch. Thanks for the phone call. We'll talk about the late Vince Scully's career and how uh... – how successful he's been, and how how over, which is, as a broadcaster, just think about it, the influence and familiarity and calming influence of his presence over generations of baseball fans and sports fans. I mean, just think about that for a minute. From the, just like the caller mentioned, from Jackie Robinson in the 40s and 50s, through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Remember, he just retired a couple of years ago from doing Dodger games. So his longevity, that's what makes you a Hall of Famer. <laughs> longevity, consistent performance, right? Consistent performance over a long period of time. That's what makes you that that's what makes you a superstar. That's what makes you a Hall of Famer in whatever you do. In whatever you do. And Vince Scully was great at what he did. There's no question about it. And he will be sorely missed. And just look at the influence that he's had on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of broadcasters and play by play folks. Just think about that. Being able to wax poetically and paint that word pictures he was as he did so eloquently for so long. It's amazing. Um, yeah, you're right. There is a possibility. Uh, Aaron Judge could win the MVP, and 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 Peter Alonso is having an unbelievable year. And to be honest, if Aaron Judge played in another, in another city, we'd be talking a little bit more about what Peter Alonso has been able to do with the Mets this season as well. But Aaron Judge has been phenomenal. We'll talk about the Yankees a little later, as the AT offered about two fifteen today, trying to get a win in St. Louis. Uh, real quick about. Um, about Joey Gallo, I hope so. I hope he's able to redeem himself because when he was here this year, he looked like he wasn't a major league ball player anymore. I wish him good luck in L.A. 